Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate not only my 40th year, but the milestone of 100 chapters of the original blog. I have started from the beginning and continue to move through 14 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me into year two and celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. I never thought Kel on Earth would still be here. Part two, chapter three. Journey into the Deep North, November 2009. After much deliberation about our potential sickness, as well as the likelihood of us enjoying third world country exploration when we were feeling just plain lazy, Jeanette and I decided that a venture into the mountainous and cooler environs of the Kachin state of northern Myanmar would be more justifiable use of our limited holiday time left in this country. Scuba diving in southern Thailand was seriously calling some names, though. I will now take applause at our dedication. Thank you. During my given applause pause, (laughs) I'm getting the feeling that some in my audience are not really feeling all that aware of my tough decision, considering as I remember, quite a few of you are dirty river rats who enjoy floating down a body of water for any given time period, which by the way, was what I was doing up north. Giving time for a retracted applause. Sorry, all the info wasn't given up front. I mean that way. So we begin our trip with a flight stopping in Mandalay, and then on to Michina, which is the most northern point a Westerner can go into a country without a permit, or into this country without a permit. Because Jay and I are really good at research far in advance, (sighs) whoops, we were surprised to find that the Kachin were really, really Christian. It was shocking. When one hears that Myanmar is majority Buddhist country, one doesn't assume that all 3% of the Christian population is in the same place. You'll never guess where we stayed. The YMCA. No joke. Sadly, no available men there, as if there would have been in the States at that particular establishment available to us anyway. But it was pretty nice. Like I said though, it took some major getting used to to hear God bless from Myanmar mouths. Anyway, we got into town, and after I was rudely cut short with the taxi driver, which was not my fault, Yangon is different, and checked in, we walked around and were quick to find a tea shop cuddled up next to the Irrawaddy River that served beer at 10 a.m. Aha! Hey, we ordered food, too. Jay was just really excited because they had ABC beer, which is a pretty close equivalent to Guinness. And after we settled ourselves on on the extensive patio, we were almost blown away by the wind that was pushing down from the foothills of the Himalayas, which were just out of sight from where we sat. Seriously though, that breeze was a bit stronger than a breeze and the river was and the and it was a bit stronger than a breeze and the river was really flowing. After some naughty mixed vegetables and a few beers too many for that time of day, we made our way down the street, taking pictures of and meeting people who found us all kinds of funny. Jeanette kept getting pics of people and showing them the digital screen. 
It was the first time in my life that I have joked around with people for a solid half hour when we weren't speaking the same language. Hysterical. We posed with a family of six with the sign and the bags of rice they sold. This teenage girl kept trying to get her aunt and grandmother in the pictures who just grumbled around and crossed their arms. When I was starting to imitate their stances and rolling eyes, oh man, gales of laughter all around. The girl kept nudging me in the ribs and laughing conspiratorially with me over her hysterical family. We shared our snacks with them and Jeanette blew up balloons for the little ones and we had a grand old time. While it was an option for us to take the boat from Michina to Bamo, which is where the Irrawaddy widens to where larger ferries can follow the river to Mandalay and then all the way down to Yangon and out into the Andaman Sea, the two-day boat ride to Bamo sounded a bit arduous. It was a six-hour bus ride rather than a two-day slow trip on crowded fishing boats. Once again, I'm a weenie. The bus allowed us to spend more time in Bamo, which was a slightly bigger town, and I was guessing the sleeping quarters on the boats were a bit questionable. Anyway, for $10, we took a 200-mile journey on a bus that looked as if it had seen its share and a few other shares of road trips. I was optimistic, I know it's a curse, about the trip, considering at the beginning the bus was not at capacity, and for a standard chicken bus, there were surprisingly no foul. I also assumed that the smooth road for about half of the trip would continue on for the whole trip. <sighs> so naive. With every village we passed, the runner, standing in the open doorway of the bus, would shout into the street, BAMO! BAMO! As if we were leading a parade to the famed city. People would get off and get on at nearly every village, and at lunchtime, to get out, we had to climb over rice bags filled with God knows what, as well as people who were now occupying those prime seats. After lunch, the road became quaintly cobbled as we began winding our way up and through the mountain paths. And then the potholes began. Don't get me wrong, I live in Yangon, land of potholes or holes filled with uneven mounds of cheap asphalt. Kelly has seen her fair share of craters in the road. After three hours in the tail end of a Muppets Take Manhattan bus, peering fearfully through the windshield over the heads of sleeping passengers for the next series of bone-rattling holes, we slowly dropped passengers off at the outskirts of Bamo, passing their bags through open windows rather than out the front door. My spine has not been the same since. Bamo turned out to be more of a way station for our aches and pains, as well as a place for us to find some damn good curries, rather than a place of happening good times. The people here are just as friendly as those in Michina, though a bit less willing to chat at will. We spend two of the evenings we had there drinking and eating potato chips at the beer station, who interpreted our flailing forms of communication the best. That second night was spent in a bit too much revelry, and unfortunately, dance party Bamo via solitary iPad, iPod in the hotel room was caught on film. <laughs> Me and my bright ideas. As a result of that hop and good time, we stayed locked in the room for most of the day following, reading, and surviving off of apples and sunflower seeds. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. After all the travel in the countrysides and, you know, vacationing, it's nice every once in a while to actually have a holiday. After our day-long sabbatical from fresh air, we ventured out to find food and some entertainment. The latter came in the form of balloons and small children. 
Jeanette had brought balloons with us to hand out to kids who were begging, and we had been doing that throughout. Strangely, up north, kids didn't do that. Beg, I mean. And we had a large supply of potential fun to pass out. At the festival, which had yet to reach its peak pate time, kids were running around with their mothers in tow. One little girl in particular caught Jeanette's attention, and after about 10 minutes, kids were piling in from all over to join the fun. After a while, I had to leave Jade to her fate uh, of air supply <laughs> for the entertainment to become photographer. Check it out. Those pics are classic. The next morning, we began our journey from Bamo Jetty, from the Bamo Jetty down the Great Irrawaddy in style. After a failed attempt at hitching a government-sponsored ferry ride, after some lackey refused to let us book our tickets because we didn't have U.S. dollars, okay, we did the politically correct thing and took the privately owned ferry. So rather than spending 40 hours on a boat with limited space, chairs, and toilets, we opted for 24 hours on a boat with indoor and outdoor chairs and something that resembled bathroom facilities. Jeanette and I spent most of our time on the top deck hanging with some kids and watching the world go by. The pagodas we passed were innumerable. The building clouds chased us with rain only and kept the sun from its typical intense heat. Despite my vocabulary skills, I couldn't possibly say it better than it looks. This should now be another pause in time to check out the pictures. It was beautiful, soothing, freeing, and real all at once. In Mandalay, obviously, we were shockingly motivated to run around doing things. Don't worry, it didn't last long. We did take the time to get in some trishaws and ride around the fort. After our very strenuous ride, we ate at this fabulous Nepali food place where everyone else stared, stared us down for chowing our food in the way we were. Then my favorite part of the day, we went shopping. And the escalator up to the second floor ate my flip-flop. Damn it. The little prongy thingies were broken and the edge of the flippy got caught and I never saw my flippy no mo. <laughs> I loved those. They were orangey copper and comfy as hell and I had to walk around the mall until someone became slightly less scared of my fuming and pointed me towards the shoe stores. A nap till dinner time and a bad choice of Western food ended our trip. A nice send off for home which made us enjoy the trip that we had and the home we were headed back to all the more. All right. Well, I got to be honest with this one. I didn't remember I remember parts of this trip like the chicken bus and the hangover hanging out in the room all day the holiday from the holiday and ah uh, maybe the balloon and the balloons with the kids and hanging out I don't remember much about this so I love this chapter oh my goodness this was really fun to revisit uh because I forgot about it and I forgot that I had so much fun on this trip and that is a shame and well I, I should say that it's not a shame because it's amazing that I wrote it down so I can revisit it whenever I want to hence the title of this uh, podcast um wow and I you can hear it in how I wrote it I had so much fun I I was engaging with the community up there 
and we were chatting with the kids and hanging out with families and taking pictures with people. And I think the the picture that I'm using for this episode is an example of of how the people would kind of rock up to Jeanette and see the pictures because they hadn't seen a digital camera where it's got the display. And they were really engaged by us. And again, some places were a little bit afraid of us and some people were annoyed by us, but I'm, I love this snapshot of how there were people who were having fun with us. And I wasn't scared of interacting with people, even though I didn't know the language. Like I was, I was like, yeah, let's do, let's, can I have this? Or can, oh, and look at your grandma. Oh, she, (laughs) she's so grumpy, you know? Oh, like after hearing that again, I I remember that family. They were, I was really nervous at first because the girl was, was really excited to, interact with us and was just curious about us and, you know, our headbands or, you know, our clothes or Jeanette's camera or, you know, whatever. We were, you know, dressed like kind of hippie travelers. (laughs) And we got to play. I think Jeanette's idea of bringing the balloons was brilliant. And I've forgotten about that. Like, why haven't I done that since? Because instead of you know, giving, giving money. Um, I mean, food, food is the best thing. Honestly, food is the best thing you could give to, to children. And here in, in Senegal, the Talibe, like giving them food and it's, it's giving them money. It's, it's very fraught, um, how you feel about it. Cause where that money ends up and, you know, homeless kids are often used very Oliver-esque with Fagan, like pulling strings. And it's, you know, but the, the balloons gave an opportunity for play and not um, work or not, you know, trying to make ends meet, which again, ethically speaking, what what is better? Like if you can make a child smile for a little while um, rather and not focus on the the economic factors of their childhood, oof. I thought it was a a great strategy on Jeanette's behalf. And the observation that up north there weren't many beggars. There weren't people who were uh, without a home. Like there were, like it was part of the community. I think this might have been one of my first experiences abroad where I was noticing that communities function differently when it comes to poverty. Uh, that they would take it as a as a sign against their community if there were people who weren't housed. That obviously everybody needs to be cared for in our community, so there aren't homeless populations. Which you know, as an American, who we have homeless populations, or rather, people between living situations. So that was that was an interesting that I just kind of slid in there. That was an observation that that had made an impact on me. My referring to all of the images, I mean, please, I hope, you know, if, if you are listening to this, you're a friend of mine on, oh, the ancient Facebook, but that's where you can find my pictures of, of this experience. 
Uh, and I have a, I, I, I'm, I still debate about having pictures of, of children. They're no longer children, but having pictures up there that I, while I had some of their permission, it was 2009, things were done differently. So I wanted to show some of the pictures of these beautiful smiling kids playing with the balloons and, and jumping up and down and laughing. And I wanted to show the pictures of those families who we took pictures with, with their sign and the father who had the most kind eyes. But again, in 2022, the context has shifted. It feels creepy. And it's, we've gone through an era where it's kind of not okay to film or to post people without their consent or We'll post, you know, take the picture. And then we actually sent, we tried to send, I don't, I don't know if they ever made it, but we tried to send photographs that we printed in Yangon. We sent them up and um, we wrote down the address and tried to send it. I don't know if they ever got there, but we, this picture of this father with her, with his daughter. Wow. Such I, it's one of my favorite photos of, and I don't take pictures of people. Um, after that, I don't even know if I, I, I took many pictures of people after that because it did feel ethically weird. But oh, that's my, it's one of my favorite pictures of people, including my friends, including of myself. Like I just, I love the, oh, just the, the, the kindness behind the father's eyes. I just, oh, so good. But I feel weird about posting this, um, or including with this podcast an image of people who I don't know and who haven't approved it. So the the image that you'll see is one where you can't see the woman's face. You can't even see Jeanette's face. And it just makes me laugh because it's it's so funny that Jeanette is taking a picture and, and doesn't realize that there's a woman standing behind her with a basket on her head and um, a Danica on her cheeks and just watching the screen like watching it's it's a it's a very cool composition in that in that moment I do remember it's such a minor thing in the detail in this in this chapter but (laughs) when my bloody flip-flop got eaten it was you know you know those teeth uh that you know the escalator comes up and the teeth are there to have like a smooth transition from the escalator off onto the solid ground and a couple of those little teeth were missing and my flippy just got sucked <laughs> I loved those but that was when I first started wearing Javianas thank you Jeanette and it's a flip that I flip flop or a sandal that has a whatever it's a it's a sandal that I wear to this day I mean not the same exact ones but I repurchase and repurchase as a result of finding something that was that comfortable totally not significant, but it's significant to me. It's my footwear. I walk around in those every day. Anyway, wow. That was, that was fun. And I'm, I'm really happy to revisit this because it's not great writing, but I was so, I can hear my happiness. I can hear how, how much fun I had, except for that bus ride. That was three hours of a bus without shocks going on kind of very rudimentary cobblestones even regular cobblestones are not super fun in something without shocks but this bus was at least in 2009 it was at least from the early 70s it was an old bus 
Um, and it, it was, it was a painful, painful ride. But other than that, man, that was a good trip. Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where my mother comes to visit me on my side of the world. To be fair, she had been in the Eastern Hemisphere before when we went to Australia for her retirement. However, this was Asia. This was considerably more intense languages, culture, food, practices significantly further from her experience than, you know, those uh, Aussies who throw a shrimp on the barbie. (laughs) It'll be a fun one. See you next time. Thank you.